1: white veranda she wears a necktie and a
2: panama hat her passport shows a face from another time and place she looks nothing like that and all the remnants of her recent past are scattered in the wild wind she walks across the marble floor where a voice from the gambling room is calling her to come on in she smiles walks the other way as the last ship sails and the moon fades away from black diamond bay As the morning light breaks open, the Greek comes down and he asks for a rope and a pen that will write. Pardon, monsieur, the desk clerk says, carefully removes his fez. Am I hearing you right? And as the yellow fog is lifted, the Greek is quickly headed for the second floor. She passes him on the spiral staircase, thinking he's the Soviet ambassador. She starts to speak, but he walks away. As the storm clouds rise and the palm branches sway on Black Diamond Bay. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheelin' Rob Kelly, and joining us on the show this week, all the way from England, is Dave Woodcock. Hi, Dave. Hey, Rob. I'm very happy to have you here. This is uh, really cool. As I mentioned to you just off air, I love talking to Dylan fans from around the world. It's just so exciting. The man's been everywhere and he's touched <laughs> people everywhere. So this is uh, really, really exciting. And of course, and you're a musician yourself, which again, that's another whole angle that I like to explore. Um, before we get to the song, though, I want to talk about, you know, your history with, with Dylan. How did you become a fan?
0: Yeah, I was trying to. Uh, I've I've heard the show, so I know it's a question that you ask, uh, and I'm trying to unpick my own history. And I think it <laughs> it starts with me with uh, the Natural Born Killers soundtrack. Uh, he's his cover of um, "You Belong to Me" on that. Right. Um, it was I was in secondary school, which I guess is what you guys call high school. Um, ninety four, ninety five. So I'm kind of fifteen years old um and why that particular song resonated with me i I still don't know as a a kind of 15 year old kid why that kind of a grizzled love lorn song really Kind of spoke to me, but uh, at the same time, um, around the same time, the MTV Unplugged show was on uh, over here, um, and I saw that I think on a Sunday night, and went back to school the next day, and you know, talked to my friends, and and did you see that weird old guy on uh, on the <laughs> on the MTV Unplugged? You know, what's that all about? And again, the, around I had a whole lot of Bob at the same time. Uh, the Don't Look Back documentary was on TV. And it was uh, at this point, you know, 15 years old, I'm kind of getting into punk music and stuff like that. And I saw the trailer for it. I remember it clear as day. It was when he was talking, the the trailer showed the bit when he was talking to the Time Reporter, yeah? Oh, right. And he goes, uh, you know, do you believe in what you sing? And he goes, you know, how could you ask me that, you know? Uh, Do you ask the Beatles then? And I just thought it was like, you know, quite a punk thing. And I thought, oh, I'm going to watch that. And um, yeah, I watched that documentary and, you know, he just seemed like the coolest guy (laughs) walking the earth. Uh, And so I just started getting into it and kind of listening to the albums, buying the albums. I uh, got Paul Williams' book, uh, Performing Artist, um, sort of going down that rabbit hole of, you know, the bootlegs. I love Paul Williams. Yeah, I love I mean, Paul Williams'
2: writing on Dylan.
0: Yeah, his his, his kind of descriptions of, of, of Dylan, certainly live, are, are fantastic. And it kind of, I went, oh, so there's all this music, but there's all this other stuff as well? There's right. all these. Yeah. taken. he'd talk about stuff like, you know, I'm not there and all these things that are like the best stuff he'd ever done. And, you know, it's not on the record playing Willie Mattel and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of go down that rabbit hole and, you know, years later you've accumulated <laughs> a huge amount of uh, of music. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, really.
2: Yeah, I mean there's not there's not one rabbit hole to go down when it's, no, Dylan. it's, it's there's many huge. rabbit holes to go yeah. down. <laughs> you could do you could just be someone who's like, "You know what? I'm not big on the records, but I love the concerts." Yeah. Or, you know what? I'm not even so much on the music. I just like the writing about Dylan. I mean, there's just so much to go down. So, have you ever seen him live?
0: I've seen him about 10 times oh, uh, wow. between okay. um first show was in 2000 where he played Dignity. I was listening to your last show and uh, oh, talking cool. about and so I'm kind of every year for for a decade. Now, I haven't seen him since then. I'm guessing that must be 2010. One of my wishes was to... It was always in the arenas, you know, the big arenas, the big, mm-hmm. you know, airplane hangars that we have over here. Um, I'm sorry, once in a tent in Liverpool. And I, my biggest wish was to see him in a small, intimate uh, show, which he's been doing more and more of in the last few years over here. Um, but obviously, you know, the ticket prices are astronomical and and actually being able to get tickets to those shows um you know takes a lot of effort um so i haven't seen him in about a decade live but i i'm kind of itching to go and see him again
2: uh, he'll be around in 10 years 10 years from now so <laughs> it'll yeah be of fun. course yeah
0: but he comes <laughs> up, he comes over once a year pretty much uh, right right to the uk
2: have you ever covered any of his songs, being either sort of uh, professional, like on stage somewhere or yeah. just for your own entertainment?
0: I've, uh, everything from just kind of pulling out, a, if I'm doing a solo show, I might, you know, cover one of his songs, to cover it. Um, the night um, Obama got elected, we were doing a show here in Sheffield, uh, a kind of election night special, and I did um, It's All Right, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> Even the president of the United States, you know, must have to stand naked. Mm. Um, But I've actually done a whole, I I organized and put on a Dylan fest where we had, um, you know, seven or eight acts all covering, you know, the the whole set was um, Dylan songs.
2: Wow. Oh, that sounds really cool. I like that. That sounds terrific. Um, Well, the song we're here to talk about is uh, Black Diamond Bay, which is, of course, from uh, 1976's Desire. Uh, This is one of the songs that he wrote with Jacques Levy. Uh, It's definitely, you know, one of the Big Dylan story songs, uh, as most of the songs on Desire are. There's a couple that are not quite so much, but this is definitely one of those. And, and, you know... if you sort of step back, of course, and we've we've covered a couple of songs from Desire already on the show, that most of the songs on Desire, uh, again, especially the ones written by co-written by Levy, are like movies. You know, they are sure. like little movies, and you can even, if you want to, you can go through and kind of think of these individual songs in their sort of film genres. You know, Hurricane is kind of a the great man biography type of story. Isis is. This kind of weird phantasmagorical thing I could see like uh, Alejandro Hodorowski doing like a movie version of Isis yeah Joe Joey is like a 70s crime thriller <laughs> Roma- Romance and Drago is clearly inspired by uh, you know Dylan's time working on not um, Pat Garrett. Pat Garrett and Pat yeah. Garrett and Billy the kid with Sam Peckinpah. Sure. this this one Black Diamond Bay it feels kind of like a Robert Altman movie with all its just intermingling characters, but then you've got this disaster element thrown in because of all these people kind of wander around and, and kind of waste their time we've got this impending doom which is this volcano that's about to <laughs> erupt so like why what what is it about this song that you wanted to d- discuss
0: well when we were talking about um being on the show i uh, i sent you kind of a list of, a list of songs and what i wanted to do was choose a song that maybe hadn't been uh you know spoken about as much uh, not not, uh, not an obvious one i mean you know what can i say about kind of tangled up in blue or like a Rolling Stone, that has been mm. said a million times. Uh, but this was the, like the last one I thought of. I think it's—I might be wrong, but certainly it's, it feels like an, a kind of unloved song on uh, in kind of Dylan's repertoire. Um, I know Mas- uh, Des- Desire was actually one of the last albums I picked up because I had the masterpieces uh, set. You know, oh. you know that one. Yeah,
2: um, that was Japanese only uh, three disc
0: set. Yeah, and on it is pretty much all of desire if you look at it except for i think joey thank god and um <laughs> and um and black diamond bay and i know paul williams calls it in his book uh, uh, one of the lesser songs on desire so it was you know i, I came to it re- relatively late in terms of go- going through dylan's um discography and it's a great song it's um I think Mozambique is on masterpieces for some reason and <laughs> not Black Diamond <laughs> Bay. Um, so I think it's just it's a song that doesn't get enough attention, I think.
2: It it is a really quite involving song. When I first got desire, this was one of the ones that I, I liked immediately because it is just you're just so much trying to figure out what the hell is, is happening. You know, you've got all these characters going on. Yeah. I mean I, I quoted the first two verses in this and then it goes on. It says a soldier sits beneath the fan. Doing business with a tiny man who sells him a ring. Lightning strikes, the lights blow out, the desk clerk wakes and begins to shout, Can you see anything? Then the Greek appears on the second floor in his bare feet with a rope around his neck, while a loser in the gambling room lights up a candle, says, Open up another deck. But the dealer says... A play, and the rain beats down and the cranes fly away from black diamond bay and this is it's kind of funny because you know like dylan gets the rap of like he's hard to understand Mm. you know he mumbles and here he is singing another language on top
0: of it you (laughs) know i listen to it extra hard i listened to uh today in preparation for this and it struck me that have have we heard dylan singing another language up to this point um I know he does, uh, he sings in Spanish on Romance in Durango. Right,
2: back-to-back. Back. He does yeah, two different languages back-to-back. Back.
0: Absolutely. And then maybe not again until that cover of Return to Me that was on The Sopranos. Uh, I think it's always funny to hear Dylan try and mangle a foreign language.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think he does, he, he fits it fits it in pretty well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's great. It yeah. Slides,
2: it's, this is a very kind of pretty song to listen to i mean i like the rhyme schemes they're very imaginative and again it's oh, trying to keep track of all these characters i mean the one that really jumped out at me is the the, the guy who's going to hang himself when he comes yeah. downstairs and he asks for the rope and a pen and that will we'll right. write We're like well all right okay <laughs> we know what he's you know he's gonna go he's gonna go kill himself and leave a suicide yeah. note um the song goes on he says the desk clerk heard the woman laugh and he looked around in the aftermath and the soldier got tough he tried to grab the woman's hand, said, here's a ring. It cost a grand. She said, that ain't enough. Then she ran upstairs to pack her bags with a horse-drawn taxi, waited at the curb. She passed the door that the Greek had locked with a handwritten sign read, do not disturb. She knocked on it anyway. And the sun went down and the music did play on Black Diamond Bay. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. The thing with the – um, another thing that jumps out at me when I listen to these songs, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes, of like – a lot of these Dylan songs seem to take place in, a, in an indeterminate time because, as we'll know as we get later on, the song takes place in modern day because we know. So an appearance yeah. by Walter Cronkite, yeah. but nevertheless, the line about the horse-drawn taxi yeah. waited at the curb. Well, who the hell still has horse-drawn taxis in 1976? So once again, we're in this sort of Dylan world that just doesn't seem to have any. The, 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 the technology just seems to be from different eras.
0: That's uh, I've not I've not picked up on that before. That's, that's interesting. It goes back to that kind of thing about ta- uh, Tangled up in blue that it takes place,
2: yeah.
1: you know,
0: in one time and at all time. You right. know, all at once. Um, I love that. That line always makes me smile. They, uh, here's a ring. It costs a grand. You said that ain't enough. That's one of those <laughs> kind of throwaway um, dialogue bits that he does. It, it makes me think for some reason of um, highlands. Um, when he's drawing the picture of the waitress, Oh right. and she says that looks nothing like me, and he, he, he oh, you must be kidding! And he says, oh, I wish I was, you know. It's, <laughs> it's she <good>. she,
2: de- <laughs> she demands he create something, and then he does it, and she's like, I don't like it. It's like yeah, it's the, the 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 creative person's lament, of course. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it's uh, I I I've done a little bit of you know reading about the song because you know the first couple of dozen times I listened to it. I kind of never had a full grasp of what exactly it was about other than uh, – again, it's, it's, it's a story song and then the, the, the pullback at the end of where it's, it's about people participating in folly. You know they're yeah. just wasting their time as as doom approaches, and that seems like a, a recurring theme that goes on with with, with Dylan. Um, again, the song c- continues on. He says, "I've got to talk to someone quick," but the Greek said, "Go away!" as he kicked the chair to the floor, which is again a great rhyme scheme. I just love. I mean, he's talking about somebody killing themselves, and it just yeah. it's oh man. He hung there from the chandelier. She, cry, she cried, Help, there's danger. Now please open up the door. Then the volcano erupted and the lava flowed down from the mountain high above. The soldier and the tiny man were crouched in the corner thinking of forbidden love. But the dust clerk said, It happens every day. As the stars <laughs> fell down and the fields, and the, in the, on the, on the BobDylan.com, it says, The fields burned away. That's not what he says no, in the original um... song. The cranes fly away, I believe he That's sings. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, on Black Diamond Bay. And he continues, as the island slowly sank, the loser finally broke the bank in the gambling room. The dealer said, it's too late now. You can take your money, but I don't know how you can spend it in the tomb. The tiny man bit the soldier's ear and the floor caved in and the boiler and the basement blew. While she's out on the balcony where a stranger tells her, my darling – Javu amubuku. boku She said your and then begins to pray as the fire burns and the smoke drifts away, which again is a slightly different line from what he sings, from Black Diamond Bay. And again, I love you get the idea. The guy, the 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 island is literally sinking and the guy is worried about his gambling winnings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me a lot of um, Tempest, you know, the, the title song mm-hmm. from that, which are kind of character sketches of, you know, what's happening while all this kind of uh, chaos is ensuing. Um to the point where it's um i made a note of it early because it occurred to me uh the boiler in the basement blue on black diamond bay uh and the boiler's overloaded in uh, in tempest mm. um i uh, just thought that was an interesting kind of um connection there with with, with those two songs because they are you know he sketches the, those characters in tempest as well of of what they're doing while you know the, the ship's going down
2: He's big on the hand of God songs, you know, yeah. where all these people participate in what they're they're what they're worried about. Meanwhile, you know, God is going to render some sort of judgment one way or the other, and you know, people aren't paying attention to this. And the woman, uh, again, I did some some reading about this, and I saw some interesting things. I mean, they talk about the, the the Greek woman with the Panama hat. She is like. At the end of the song, I mean, we'll, uh, well, actually, let me finish off as as the big pullback here happens in the final verse. I was sitting home alone one night in L.A. watching old Cronkite on the 7 o'clock news. It seems there was an earthquake that left a, left nothing but a Panama hat and a pair of old Greek shoes. Didn't seem like much was happening, so I turned it off and went to grab another beer. Seems like every time you turn around, there's another hard luck story that you're going to hear. And there's really nothing anyone can say. And I never did plan to go anyway. Black Diamond Bay. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. There's so much in, Atlanta, in that final yeah. verse. I mean, just the idea, just the image of Bob Dylan sitting at his house – on a Saturday night watching Walter Cronkite is very funny to me. Yeah. Um, i go
0: going to grab another beer, you know. Yeah, uh, out
2: of the fridge. Yeah.
0: And yeah. uh, I, I love um another hard look story you're gonna hear from the the guy that, you know, uh, essentially popularized the protest song. Right. right <laughs> he's right. just like watching this thing happening and he's, oh, I'll go and get another beer. Um but it is quite you know, he does that in T V talking song as well, you know, and under the red sky <laughs> where it's um you know uh is, uh, it kind of pulls back, and it's just him watching the the events unfolding on TV.
2: What do you make of the the the, the fact that the only thing is left is the Panama uh-huh. hat and a <laughs> pair of shoes? Because it seems like the I mean, am I crazy or is the, has the woman uh, been raptured? You know, like is she yeah. up in heaven now? Because as we as we've heard about in the rapture, supposedly well, the, uh, the, that's what's left behind. And yet this is this is all that's left of this woman is her is her clothes.
0: Yeah, well, no, the Greek, the Greek as well. They're his shoes.
2: Well, that's true. Right, right, yeah. right.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, we we know that, you know, a few years later, Bob was uh, on a bit of a religious kick. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of kind of apocalyptic imagery in his songs uh, going back to the beginning. Um yeah, speaking of the woman, something I found interesting, you know, um, uh, it, it's pretty well, uh, I've got the album sleeve in front of me, Uh kind of well known that it was inspired by Joseph Conrad his novel uh what's it called victory uh, right right um i've got the liner notes in front of me uh conrad is pictured on the back cover next to Dylan's head um uh, and mm. alan, alan ginsberg in his uh, songs of redemption liner notes mentions conrad um i don't know if you, have you read victory. No, I've not. Right. Neither have I. (laughs) (laughs) I've kind of skimmed through it, uh, you know, a while ago when I realized what the connection was. Um, In it, there is a Black Diamond Bay. That's right. right. There is a mysterious woman. There is a volcano. Uh, And the woman's name in it is uh, Lena, which is short. Uh, It's it's made clear in the book for Magdalena. Um and there is a Magdalena on Desire on the previous song. That's right. Romance oh. in Durango, Oh who,
1: no, it's all it's all is, falling into place.
0: Who is who is escaping, um uh looking for escape. And I you know, it occurs to me that uh, you know, maybe not explicitly but maybe subconsciously, that the woman who is on the veranda, you know, she's looking at the passport that isn't hers, she's tearing up the uh the remnants of a recent past. Um could that be uh, Magdalena who's finally escaped?
2: Interesting, I and mean, yeah, she's <laughs> running from running from something. Certainly, I yeah. mean the the whole imagery of the boiler in the basement. I mean that you know it feels like uh, that's some sort of image of hell. Clearly, um, cinematically, I can't help but think when I would listen to the song, I think of the film Key Largo, the Humphrey Bogart song, because yeah. that's that the song, the Humphrey Bogart movie, of course, because that's a whole thing about people. Uh, you know, pitted against one another while a storm is approaching—a massive storm that might destroy the whole island—is coming. That's and interesting.
0: So that, it reminds me more of Casablanca, of Humphrey Bogart being the, uh, you know, the guy running the hotel, the gambling, mm-hmm. uh, the gambling um, hotel where they're at, and you know, Sydney Green Street with the fez. You know, the the, yes. the, the desk clerk carefully removes his fez. It's uh, very, um, I think, influenced by those kind of nineteen forties. Uh, kind of Warner Brothers, Michael Curtiz films, uh, yeah. as well as Conrad. I get the impression that, like, Levy and Dylan were sitting around going, um, you know, coming up with all these story songs that are quite cinematic, and they're talking about Casablanca, and they're talking about Conrad, and going, oh, what was that one book, you know, that was you know, with a volcano and the woman, and, oh, yeah, the Black Diamond Bay. Yeah, yeah, well, there's a song, you know, get, there you <laughs> get, rhyme, get to can writing can rhyme that. You I a lot of stuff
2: with Bay, you know, Bay yeah. is a good no, exactly, rhyme. Yeah. That's easy yeah, it's yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, and this is an era, I mean, think about when these songs were written, this was an era when movies were on television all the time. Mm. I mean, nowadays, that's not so much a thing. It's, it's you know, stations don't run old movies. But, you know, I, I'm grew old enough to remember, you saw a lot of movies on television, you know, and so I'm sure yeah, Dylan yeah. watched a lot of stuff. And I, I don't think Dylan probably spends a whole lot of time sitting around watching television, but who knows? He I seems think to be awa- he seems does. to be aware of everything at all times. So.
0: Well, you know he's watched a lot of Humphrey Bogart because he – do know it. that, yeah. He stole a lot of it for uh, Empire Burlesque, didn't That's he? Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. This the story is not directly related to that, but I'm thinking of it now. So I might as well tell it. But I remember a bunch of years ago. Um, Cheryl Crow, who of course opened for for Bob many years, I saw it, at least saw her open for him at least a couple times. But they they're friends; they know each other. And there was this whole thing where she had a relationship with Eric Clapton. Mm. They were they were in a relationship, and then they had broken up. And, uh, or something, or there was some sort of tabloid thing about, oh, Sheryl Crow and Eric Clapton. And then right around that time, (laughs) Sheryl Crow ran into Dylan and she tells this story where like the first thing out of his mouth was, oh, what's this thing with you and Eric? And, and, and she was like, Bob, are you watching Access Hollywood again? And she's like, this, this image of Bob Dylan watching all these cheesy entertainment shows so he could just keep up with all this I'm
0: stuff. sure he does. On the, you know, at the back of the tour bus, I'm sure he's got, you know, the TV on and he's watching.
2: <laughs> all <laughs> this random crap and things yeah. like
0: that. Or, or you know, uh, he was on that show Porn Stars.
2: That's right, he was, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they kind of got in touch with him and he went, oh, I love that show.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I love that thing, it's great. Um, on the the site I've mentioned a couple times before by Tony Atwood, the uk, where he analyzes the songs, he actually has two different posts on this song, and, and one he gives over to someone else's analysis of Black Diamond Bay where they say the whole song is a Vietnam allegory. Oh, All right. They talk about the the smoke and the, 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 the people sort of wasting their time. You've got a soldier. And while I see a lot of the – I see what he was getting at, I feel that the tone of this song is too frivolous mm. and light for it to be a Vietnam thing, especially when you talk about that he was writing it in 1976. The war had literally just ended. I mean the fall of Saigon – was in 1975, that even though there's so much death and destruction in the song, the tone is just very kind of light. And yeah, it's very, Espe- it's, it's very upbeat. The, yeah. Yeah. Especially with the line that you mentioned, another hard look story that you're going to hear. It's it kind of is just this sort of like, oh, well, this is this thing I saw on TV. I'm not taking mm-hmm. it terribly seriously. So I can't picture Dylan having that be- thoughts about Vietnam and, and, and conveying no, I'd, such. A, such a I'd have
0: to have a look at that, but I, it kind of doesn't ring accurate to me, but you never know with Bob. Never know. Never
2: <laughs> never know. Yeah, I mean, I said it. it is very hard to keep track of how many different things go on um, in terms mm. of the cinematic references, and again, you know, none of us will ever know, but um, one of my favorite horror movies of all time is uh, a Val Lewton movie from 1944 called The Seventh Victim right. about a cult, and there's a character in that movie played by Elizabeth Russell, who was one of Val Lewton's regulars, who is they? they never say it, but she's probably an ex-prostitute dying of tuberculosis or dying of some sort of disease. And she has a room in a hotel and she is clearly – she's in the periphery of this movie and she's clearly someone who's about to kill herself. And we later see um, a scene of, of a character, another character who wants to kill themselves and they kill themselves off camera. But we hear the thunk Right. Of the body fall, and I can't help but think of that when I hear this of this soldier, this yeah. go, this person that once uh, the Greek is going to go and hang himself. I mean, so it's this this song is just this giant stew of things that you can imagine that that flew again. And when you talk about that, it was written by two guys. How many different influences there must have been going on between these guys when they were oh this so, out? I and mean,
0: it's it's so difficult to kind of unpick. Um, yeah. What you know, what what we think might be Dylan, what what might be Levy, but uh, there's as you say, trying to going back to what you were saying earlier about kind of first few times you hear it, and it kind of rushes by like um, um, kind of Lily Rosemary or yeah. or G- uh, Judas Priest, those kind of songs that it's kind of just a rush of imagery, um, but when you kind of step back and, and look at it, there is a narrative there, there is a, a story that he's trying that he's trying to tell. Um, you know, these characters all interact with each other She, the the she, the woman in question is in, I think, every verse She's either passing him on the staircase Mistaking him for the Soviet ambassador Or, <laughs> uh, you know, turning down the ring that the soldiers bought from the tiny man And, and that, that's another thing, that the soldier and the tiny man Are thinking, of, while all this is going down Are crouched in the corner thinking of forbidden love uh, and then later, the tiny man bites the soldiers' ear. So, what, what's happening with those two?
2: <laughs> I always have figured they were, you know, they were engaging in their own sort of relationship. That's they were what's going on there.
0: They were getting it on while, yeah. while uh well it all went down. Yeah, that's what I always thought as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Emily Lou Harris singing backup? Because I mean, she sings backup on most of the songs on this record. I, I, I can, I cannot imagine how difficult it must be to sing along. Uh, with Bob Dylan, that has got to th- be a difficult task. I
0: think she earned a medal for bravery doing that. I think um, if you listen to things like um, "One More Cup of Coffee," she's has no idea where he's going, um, <laughs> and follows along uh, brilliantly. I, I love Lou, I think her voice is fantastic. I'm a big fan of uh, Grand Parsons. So this is, you know, I think uh, what '75 recorded in, so a couple of years after Grand Parsons passed away, and those albums that they made together. Um I think she's she's uh, obviously got quite a, a a good way with trying to harmonize with uh say wayward voices. <laughs> uh yeah. but she she does a spectacular job.
2: Yeah, I I I couldn't pass up the opportunity when I had Joan Osborne on the show to ask her about what it was like to harmonize with Bob Dylan because how many people am I ever going to talk to that ever did that? <laughs> and you know, she was she was very complimentary about it that you just have to like get up real close and just watch where he's going. And yeah. it's it's amazing that she hangs together uh, on this record Emmylou uh, Harris hangs with him as well as she does because you could you, you almost see like get the sense that he's almost looking to throw his His bandmates or compatriots sometimes just to sort of throw that chaos into the into yeah. the recordings but yeah, but she does she does a great job there i mean it gives this it gives this record a sound. Unlike any other Dylan record, that you've got uh, a particular person singing along with him. Yes, and all, well, not only that, but
0: um, I mean, the, the, it's funny you said the, the kind of chaos. The, the the um the sessions themselves were famously chaotic. With uh, yep, you know, who knows how many people coming and going and, and trying to play on this stuff, Clapton included. Um, I know um, from a, a little bit of uh, research that I did, they they did twelve takes of it. Um, wow, uh, one that the night on the 29th of July they did 12 takes that had all sorts of kind of brass instrumentation and mandolin and God knows what else on it. And then they cut it the next day, five takes on the 30th, the fourth, Ah. the fourth one being, being the one on the record. And I think it's got that kind of a uh, um, rolling thunder ramshackle kind of feel to it. If you notice when it first starts, it kind of fades into them playing it. It doesn't kind of, start um you know straight away it fades in and the band's already playing and they play through the whole of the song the whole of the uh the the verse before the vocal comes in it's almost mm-hmm. like dylan's going this is how it goes and they're kind of feeling their way through it before mm. he starts singing
2: i never thought of that but you're right it is this is uh it, the only time a Dylan record has one song fade into the next—that's an unusual. That "Romance and Durango" is still kind of playing mm. when this song picks up. It's always—if you, you have a CD, you can always see the exact second where it starts because yeah. it, it has to have that countdown. But when I had "Desire" on cassette, it was always a little like, "What's happening? Why? Why? Wait a minute—the song's not over yet—and then that it picks up. It's kind of an unusual choice.
0: Mm. Yeah, maybe there is. I hadn't thought of it before, but maybe there is more of a link between those two songs. That's why it's uh, positioned where it is on the album. You know, it's uh, it's got the the woman who's uh, you know escaped from something and is is trying to forget. Um, it's got Dylan mangling a foreign language um, <laughs> as opposed to his usual mangling of the English language, um, and it is you know it, it 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 occupies that space on the album for for some reason. I'm sure because it's yeah. it's, it's, what, it's what the you know the the, the record executives used to call the graveyard slot which is where they thought everyone would be tired of the album so they st- <laughs> they stick the worst song you know second to
2: last um, interesting I wondered earlier on in the show like why this song is sort of like forgotten a little and Dylan himself seems to have forgotten about it mm. he has performed it once in concert. <laughs> and
0: even that is rumored that there is no there's no tape of it it's the um uh Salt Lake City Utah gig yep, um, yep twenty fifth of May and I honestly don't have notes in front of me. Uh right. the um the day after his birthday. Day after
2: um,
1: his birthday, yeah.
0: But it's rumored that he played that. Some people say that he played um, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. Some people say he played both, and some people claim play, he played neither. Uh, it's, it's one of <laughs> some the
2: legendary concert where you can just say he played whatever song you desperately want to hear. There's
0: play. no tape of it that we know of, so um, it's it's never been kind of uh, evidenced.
2: It's like a Schrodinger's Bob Dylan concert. <laughs> he played it. He played it, or he didn't play it, depending yeah. on whether you hear it or not. He played Bound and Plain D. I'm sure. I'm sure he did that. Yeah. I
0: hope he did. Well, there's another great, uh, there's another graveyard slot song. Put, <laughs> put the worst song on second to last. There's not that's, many, that's, there's not many a, worse songs. And
2: yeah, it's a good place for it. <laughs> yeah. that's
0: it's where, jo- where Joey should have been.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, he said this is. I, I don't know why Dylan. You know, this uh, this is a really fun song. I can imagine it's probably really hard to kind of keep straight in your mind. Although, uh, romance and Durango. He's played 38 times as recently as 2015. Yes, that's right. He pulled, yeah, so, he,
0: he pulled it out. Uh, kind of uh, <laughs> shocked everybody with that one. It was yeah. a good it was a good version as well. I seem to remember.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I know this is one he just he just put it behind him and he forgot about it. And it's, it's a shame. I mean, for for the longest time, there were all these theories, uh, theories, stories about they're going to make a movie out of Lil, Lily Rosemary and the mm-hmm. Jack of Hearts. They're going to make a movie out of this. And none of it ever comes to pass. Uh, but this would have been—I I can't see a movie of this, but I could have seen like an episode of Black Mirror or something. It has that yeah. Twilight Zoney, slight feel to it, and I would love to see this sort of visualized. But you know, of course, it's well, never going to happen at this point.
0: Speaking of movies, this—you uh, know—the James Benning movie, Eleven by Fourteen. There are—it um, came out, I think, 76, 77. There are two long single shot scenes in that where they play the entirety of black diamond bay o- really? over the over the scenes twice and not just clip the, the whole song is played wow. twice um over that film so it's had, it's had it's kind of
2: cinematic uh debut already that's amazing i never it's, knew that yeah that's very strange huh all right. Yeah, that's it. it's a, it's a really terrific song. It's one of those ones that just first popped when I heard it, when I first bought Desire. And it, and it holds up even though it does, you know, with Dylan's final verse, it does have a kind of like shaggy dog sort of thing of like, well, who really cares? You yeah. know, what, so, What's the difference? It's just a TV thing that you're watching. What's the difference? Yeah,
0: like Clothesline Saga or something. It's just like. Ah uh, well, whatever.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. You you invested in this kind of story that's going on, and Dylan kind of shrugs his shoulders and goes, well, "Yeah, whatever." Right. Yeah.
2: But then, it's it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, that's just 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 to say that the uh, the the music itself is interesting for certainly for Desire in that it's it's I, I guess uh, I mean it's it, it, it's nothing t- too unusual for Dylan, but uh, on Desire he plays a lot of just kind of I guess. um... Maybe "stodgy" is the wrong word, but you know, like "ISIS" is kind of three chords, very um, um, you know slow, um, Oh, Sister" those kind of songs. Um, it's one up there with kind of uh, "Hurricane" and I think "Mozambique" that are kind of upbeat, and I think it's um, it, uh, you know that's that's slightly different for Dylan on this album. Um,
2: what do you what do you think about the the overall sound of of Desire? um i like the album itself
0: i i heard again recently and it doesn't i don't want to say it doesn't hold up for me i think there are incredible highs on that record but i think um it doesn't quite hold together as well as its reputation Hmm. says that it does joey again to go back to joey bogs it down hugely that is a terrible song (laughs) <laughs> and why that is on there and not uh, Abandoned Love or even Rita May Rita or, May or yeah. even Catfish or, or Golden Loom uh, any of those songs that you dropped from it uh, and to put that song on, is uh, <laughs> I have no idea what he was thinking. Um, but
2: J- Joey is so long, you could have put like all three of those songs on the, uh, on the record and still not made it, made the record run any longer.
0: No, it's interminable. But um, <laughs> the, the the sound of the album is great because no other record in his catalog sounds like that. You know, um, Scarlett Rivera's um, violin I think has a lot to do with that, and also right. the kind of that kind of ragtag. Um, Uh, rolling thunder review feel to it where it's kind of you you know it's just a kind of bunch of people in a room and they don't really know the song and it's one two three four here we go and um, trying to get it down on tape Uh, i really like the sound of it i think you know it's, it's one of those albums which if you if he'd kind of maybe given it a second thought infidels comes to mind that you know it would have been an absolute masterpiece there are masterpieces on there but yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece with a small M for me.
2: Right. Right. Especially, and again, coming, any record coming after Blood on the Tracks, uh, you can't help but sort of,
0: no, you know, no. live
2: in that shadow a little bit. And <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that the, the, and as you mentioned, the sound is so different and especially when you compare it to Blood on the Tracks, which was so spare mm. and this is so full and, and there's a great, um, I'll, this will be the last thing I have to say about this song is that in, um, Clinton Halen's book, The Recording Sessions, they talk about – he gives a lot of pages to this particular record because, as you mentioned, there were so many takes and so many musicians. And at one, uh, at one point, Clapton got so frazzled he just left. He was like, I just can't <laughs> handle this. There's like 27 people in here. And there was some point where somebody in the band that was new to Dylan just simply asked what he thought was a simple question, which was, is this going to stop hard or is it going to fade? And they said he asked Bob that, and Dylan went on like this twelve-minute answer about well, we could do it that way, and he just went on and on and on. And he said it just drained the air out of the balloon. And apparently, the the ostensible head of the band, which was uh, how um, Rob Stoner, Rob Stoner, yeah. Rob Stoner, apparently went over to the guy and said, "Don't don't ask him. Just just <laughs> yeah. just, just, just just play it and let it go. Just <laughs> so, go with it, yeah." <laughs>
0: I'd love to hear the alternate takes to it. I, 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 imag- yeah. I imagine, I mean, my mind kind of, you know, thinks uh, it, it, it was probably written on piano and probably written as uh, uh, much slower than it's performed, um, just with the uh, with the chords that he uses. But uh, thank God he kind of sped it up and, and turned it into a kind of bouncy. Kind of a bouncier song because it it really kind of carries that momentum through, keeps you interested in it. You know, like the slower version of "Lily Rosemary," which isn't quite as, I guess, engaging as the album version because it's much slower.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bouncy, fun song where everybody dies at the end. So, there's, <laughs> <laughs> Black Diamond Bay. So, uh, well, anyway, the, this this was awesome. I said this was a great song, and and as you said, uh, it's it's unappreciated. I'd say probably across, you know, Dylan, you know, Bob, of course, Bobcast. it's Bobcast. It's not one of a song that most people would necessarily think of to talk about. So, I'm glad we had a chance to to talk about it in depth. Uh, in depth, this was just terrific. Yeah, thanks Thank so, so much for much, coming bro. on, Dave.
0: Mm-hmm. No, thank you, Rob. Cheers for having me. All right, where can
2: people find uh, your music on the internet?
0: Um, you can go to uh, www.davewoodcock.bandcamp.com. Uh, there are a number of, uh, there's the last three studio albums uh, on there, along with uh, a couple of live, uh, live records. Um, so, yeah, please, uh, please go on and, and check it out.
2: Very cool. And I will have that link in the show notes. And, of course, everybody who want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. And you can find all the other episodes on iTunes and on the other platforms that you want to uh, listen to podcasts on. And we're always talking uh, Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, uh, take it easy. Bye.
1: By way